Hi, this is Rachel Sherman, and welcome to the FitFab and 40-something podcast, where each week we'll discuss issues surrounding health, wealth, fitness, and wellness to help you navigate your way through your 30s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. And today we're going to delve into metabolism. And I'm really happy to uh, announce to you that we've got an accredited practicing dietitian on the line, Jonathan Steedman, or Jono Steedman, as he prefers to be called. Um, And I really enjoy the way um, Jono has an easy to understand and no nonsense or no BS way um, of explaining nutrition and food. So I thought he would be perfect to have on the podcast so thank you, Jono, for um, joining us today. And I wonder whether you could tell us a little bit about yourself um, and also what drew you to nutrition and becoming a dietitian. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me. Um, I am a dietitian. I live in Brisbane. I do lots of stuff online and face-to-face. I just love talking about food and this seems like a really good excuse to be able to do it professionally. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much um, really how I became a dietitian. I don't have a wonderful Genesis story of, of anything too um, dramatic, but I uh, have always been surrounded by good food um, growing up. My family's always, you know, I'm encouraged cooking and exploring different um, flavors and things. So food's always been a really big part of my life. And really enjoyed science at school as well. Um, almost did medicine. Thank goodness. Got talked out. That. Wouldn't have survived that degree, I'm sure. But that kind of love of biology and chemistry and things was always sort of bubbled away and a little bit of a slight detour post high school, but eventually the dietetics was the perfect marriage of food and science. And yeah, here I am. Awesome. Do you, um, do you specialize in anything in particular? Not really. Um, we're sort of, I think a lot of dietitians try to be quite broad. You know, um, you never really know who's going to walk into the office or <laughs> join the Zoom call as it's more and more these days, isn't it? But mm-hmm. um, it's it's certainly probably over the age of 16, I would say it's the closest I come to specializing. I'm not really um, that active in the pediatric space other than the fact that I've got to feed my own two kids, Um, but no, try to keep it very broad, have lots of quite medical, clinical um, clients dealing with uh, things through to just sports performance, body composition, um, and then a huge part of it as well, just um, your relationship with food. That's another huge area that I work on with lots of people because unfortunately (laughs) uh, society can mark that up for us, so... Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, before we get into talking about metabolism, last week on the podcast we had, um, uh, we were talking about our relationship, not just our relationship with food, but the emotional connection with food um, and how many of us underestimate the impact that that has on the way that we eat. Um, So, yeah, that's perhaps something that we can um we can look into again down the track in another podcast. So many of yeah, um, totally. many of the podcast listeners are women in their forties, 
uh, and a lot of the comments and feedbacks that I have been receiving is that we've gotten to that age where it's just, it seems like it's really hard to lose weight um, and to keep it off. And a lot of us are blaming our metabolism. So I wanted to find out, is that correct? Um, or is it a bit of a cop-out on our part and are we blaming the wrong thing? Um, so if you perhaps could firstly explain what metabolism is. Yep. Yeah, certainly. Uh, simply, I guess it's the, the work your body does to keep you alive um, and to do the daily activities that you, you need to do to stay upright, you know, your heart, your liver, your lungs, your brain, the, the constant turnover of your skin cells, your hair cells, your nails, your bones, your muscles, um, you know, building in protein. Like I, literally we could just be here all day, probably weeks yeah. listing the, the functions, but it's all of these jobs require energy and really your metabolism as a whole is the accumulation of the energy and the, that is required for those tasks. Yeah. So, so does simple our, but <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Does our metabolism actually slow as we get older? I've actually like and only just recently read differing opinions. Um, I was always under the impression that as we get older, our metabolism slows. But I've recently read that this isn't necessarily the case um, until you reach about 60, and then it slows so minutely. Um, that it's not really going to make much of a difference. So what, what's your take on that? Yeah, there, yeah, that uh, big study came out recently and, and sort of, I guess, reinforced a few different things around metabolic rate over the lifespan is relatively stable. There's certainly things that can affect someone's metabolism, but it's often not age. I think it's about 18 to 20. 18 to 20 our meta metabolic rate slows um, pretty, well, not dramatically, but significantly. Um, and then is fairly stable. Yeah. Like you mentioned till around 60 and then there is a slow decline, but um, compared to a number of other things, which I'm sure we'll get into um, it's your metabolic isn't really the big player in this game that I think a lot of people maybe feel that it is or have been told that it is or have read that it is. Yeah. And is there any difference between the way um, either the way metabolism works or the metabolic rate between men and women? Typically men have a higher metabolic rate. Yes. Yeah. So um, largely that's because one of the big influences on um, your metabolic rate is your lean body mass. So basically uh, muscle and organs and things and, and typically men have more muscle typically men have larger organs you know I know I feel very sexist saying all of that it's just don't blame me blame biology yeah. um, and obviously there's differences um, from between the individuals but yeah typically men have a a higher metabolic rate yeah sure okay Okay, so it's not our age necessarily that is um, that is doing this. So can we improve upon our metabolism or can we make it more efficient? Sort of. Uh, there or are, conversely, there are attacking, sorry, conversely can things? we screw up our metabolism? <laughs> yeah, so your, your metabolic rate, your metabolism, and I'll use those terms interchangeably because they're fairly similar, um, is 
fluid. It is flexible. It does change. You know, it's not um, when you're 20, it's the same as when you are 40. There are definitely things that you can do that will affect it. Um, one of, like I mentioned before, lean body mass plays a part. So one thing you can do is try and gain some muscle. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that doesn't quite have the again, that significant impact on metabolic, our metabolic rate, as we might've heard, it's still fantastic and we shall be striving to do it. Um, but it's not as, you know, you don't get to eat an extra 500 calories a day. If you gain an extra kilo of, of muscle, it's not quite that significant. Um, but realistically the two best things you can do to keep your metabolism as high as possible is gain muscle and not restrict calories or an extended period of time. I understand there are times where you need to restrict calories. Um, and th that's sometimes yeah required, but when you restrict calories, your body does make some adjustments to account for that. Um, I use the analogy all the time of imagine if you took a 60% pay cut, it would suck, <laughs> but hopefully financially you can you know, cut back on some non-essential spending. You can go out a bit less, maybe you make coffee at home. You know, you do all of these little things to, to get by. Now, yeah. if you took an 80% pay cut, it might be, I can't get by with that. You know, like that's, that's a critical cut and that happens with our food as well. But there, if we lower our calories over an extended period of time, there is a certain amount of adjusting our body can do. Yeah. So uh, is that what, <clears throat> um, like when we call, when we talk about chronic dieting, is that what that is? It, it can, it can have that effect. Um, that's so that's, <clears throat> pardon me. That's what we'd call metabolic adaptation. Yeah. Um, so it's actually not, and it, it is not a negative thing. And I say that in terms of it's not damage. We're not breaking anything. It's actually a natural response to what we're doing. Typically, your metabolic rate restores, so it comes back to normal when you are not restricting. So large periods of calorie restriction will cause your metabolic rate to slow. And then typically after that, hopefully you've stopped restricting calories for a time and you're giving your body everything that it needs. Um, and we typically find at time our metabolic rate comes back to with in stone's throw of where it was before maybe not exactly where it was before but yeah. yeah it's it's not something that will just be no your metabolic rate is now low for the rest of your life yeah so you can i guess reset it in a way yeah it's uh, I, I guess it's again coming back to that financial analogy if your pay if you got that 30 percent of your pay back your spending would start to change again you know you'd, you'd start increasing spending in the same way that your body would increase its energy expenditure, you know, yep. it's, it's metabolic rate. Yeah. So talk to me about, I know the term starvation mode gets thrown out there quite a bit. Um, is this actually a thing? And if it is, how does it work? If it's not, what, what's happening? Why do people use that term? Um, like a lot of things in my industry, it's, starts with a pearl of truth um and so it kind of comes off the back of that metabolic adaptation we, we were just talking about in that your metabolic rate will slow when you lower your calories but only up to a certain point um, you know there is a certain 
calorie restriction that your body cannot adapt to. Um, and eventually uh, I, I sometimes use the, uh, like if starvation mode existed, people wouldn't starve, you know? Mm. Um, and unfortunately starvation is a very real problem in our world, but if starvation mode existed, these people wouldn't there, but they'd reach 500 calories a day and then starvation mode would kick in and their body would keep them alive. But, you know, unfortunately in a way starvation mode would actually be a really good thing for society um so what it is is yes there is that slowing of your metabolic rate but they're only to a certain extent and past that point yeah we'll continue to lose weight and if hopefully not <laughs> stop what about alcohol does alcohol affect affect our metabolism or is it more um just our digestive processes what does alcohol do probably the biggest impact that people feel it is having on their metabolic rate is the fact that it contains way more calories much more energy than people typically attribute to it um you know a standard glass of wine is really equivalent of about four squares of chocolate um and i think eating three or four rows of chocolate is a far bigger event it's more noticeable we that kind of takes up more space in our brain versus maybe three or four glasses of wine we don't typically see that as adding to our you know energy take as dramatically as it actually does and so because we don't account for those calories necessarily as effectively we can then start to feel like ah oh, it's slowing my metabolic rate yeah and do you think we talked about, you mentioned calories and <clears throat> do you think that that's really what it comes down to when, when people are blaming their metabolism for not losing weight, it's more that they're just really underestimating the, the calories and the food that they're, the energy that they're taking in? Yeah, I would say it's typically two things. Um, theoretically yes it does always come back to calorie intake but um i don't that's not always helpful to tell someone to eat less and move more you know that's not very how do we practically um apply that i i think that yes firstly we are typically really terrible at estimating our own calorie intake um you know they've there's lots of studies about under and over reporting um and it can be pretty you know it can be up to like 60 70 percent getting it wrong um and i think i remember a study where they included you know they had some nutritionists and dietitians and things in the cohort you know people who food is their life and they're hopefully a little bit more skilled in that department and we can still get it wrong so um you can often be consuming more energy than you think and i think a big way in which that can occur is people forget about averaging their energy intake across a week um and so you're restricting for the, let's use the classic example of the weekend, right? Uh, you're restricting really hard Monday through Friday and you're in a really significant calorie deficit. Yeah. Um, and then typically because you've very aggressively restricted during the week, the wind kind of feels like you get out of jail free card and we maybe go above and beyond what we would, uh, looking back on our weekend that we would be able to quantify and remember mm. um, when in actual fact, what we've just done is our weekly average is now no longer in a deficit even though we were technically in a deficit for five days, you know, coming back to the financial analogy, you can save money for five days, but if on the two days you spend all that money you've saved, 
you don't have any savings left. And yeah. so you can look at accruing a calorie deficit day by day, but then potentially wiping that out on the weekend or, you know, one night of, or the odd little bit here and there throughout the week that we, we maybe don't remember or pay attention to. And so that's probably, that's one of the first really, really big ways in which we can underestimate our energy intake and feel like we're dieting and feel like there mm -hmm. must be something wrong, wrong with our metabolism. Um, and then the other really, really big player in this game is something called non-exercise activated thermogenesis, which is basically neat. We call it neat. We've yeah. uh, probably heard of that. Um, and it's basically any movement is not activity, uh, not structured exercise, you yeah. know, so formal exercise. Um, and that is the biggest I don't know what's bigger, whether it's underestimating calories or this, but um, particularly when people reference their metabolic rate slowing as they age, what is slowing a lot more is their activity. For and that sure. is yeah. huge. Yeah. And does it come so, down to just, uh, we'll, as we age, we'll just make life a little bit easier and um, uh, I suppose even, you know, now we have everything at our fingertips and we have remotes for everything. So it's a case of we're using the remotes instead of getting up and turning, um, things off at the switch. Like, does it come down to that yeah. kind of thing? There's so, yeah, there's so many, um, little things like that, that add up. I, I think even like looking through, through your, through someone's life, typically as we progress with family and career, each progression comes with less movement, you know, yeah. even uh, if you've got a kid, you chase them around when they're a toddler, but when they're 10, you just sort of let they, they do their own thing. You don't have to chase them around or <clears throat> maybe, you know, you, you, you're not taking public transport anymore because you bought a nice fancy new car because you've been, you got a promotion or like all of these things, which can subtly, add up in a really, really significant way. And again, even if we are eating less calories, the reduction in our energy expenditure can sometimes offset that. And so we're actually not in that deficit we thought because we're eating less, but we're also moving less. Sure. So someone, obviously we don't need to necessarily go out and run 10 Ks um, <laughs> every second day as we get older to try and lose that weight but can it be as simple as increasing that neat um throughout the day can that actually make a big enough difference to lose a bit of weight depending on what else is going on it can certainly have a, a big effect um yeah. and i think this is something i always try and remind people of um i think when someone finds or hears that um actually your metabolic rate isn't something your first thought is, wait, so am I the problem? Like, <laughs> and I don't want it to be like an attack on someone. I, instead, I want you to take that information and be like, almost excited by it. Like, oh, cool. The two things that are affecting me are like, um, uh, changeable, um, as opposed to your metabolic rate, which is relatively stable. And so yeah. absolutely little bits and pieces here and there you know the classic take the stairs uh parking further away um a classic one i say with uh clients a lot is you know put your washing away one at one piece at a time or put your put your dishes away one at a time that sort of stuff because we're we're constantly looking for ways to make our life easier that's kind of yeah. like biologically that's how we're wired conserve energy and so i'm going to take all of my plates at once but yeah. if i can take one of them at a time i've just done an extra 
you know, 20 steps. And if I do that seven days a week, you know, that accumulates. So and something very easy to do in lockdown as well. Well, and again, that's probably another impact is where we're typically we're moving less than we ever have because we largely can't even leave our, our homes at the moment. So yeah. even more reason to try and look for those little little opportunities where you can. Okay. All right. So we should worry less about metabolism uh, and focus more on just generally getting out there and moving more, whether it's in formal activity, like formal exercise, or just any kind of activity um, in, in our life. Uh, and also, uh, also look at our diet and what we're intaking. And so should we, should we look at any diet in particular, or is it better just to have a balanced diet? It is definitely better to have uh, a balanced diet. Um, if you do really, really want to follow a diet with a name, um, check out the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. But if you follow that diet, it is a fairly standard healthy eating quote unquote diet that we would recommend. So mm -hmm. really what it comes down to is finding a dietary pattern that fits your lifestyle, fits your tastes and your preferences, um, fits your requirements and also allows for a little bit of joy occasionally as well. And is that what you consider a balanced diet? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's really important to remember that there's many spheres of health. Health isn't just physical health. It's also mental health and social health and, you know, um, financial health and all of these other areas of health. And so um, having a donut occasionally may not be the best move for someone's physical health, but the impact it could have on their psychological health or their social health, if they're sharing that with someone or with their family, I would say can often be a net positive choice overall for health. For sure, for sure. Uh, while we're talking about food, uh, something that always seems to come up every so often is superfoods. Uh, and if we're talking about having a balanced diet, do you think there is a superfood? And what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Black beans and salmon and eggs and blueberries. Those are superfoods. Awesome. Um, yeah, typically, a, a superfood is a, a food that's really high in nutrients, right? It's quite nutrient dense. Um, and yes, those foods, most foods that get labeled as a superfood are technically quite dense in nutrients. But something like your, you don't really find much in a goji berry say that you can't find in other berries or other fruits and vegetables and things and so um if you enjoy those foods if you like sprinkling them in if you like exploring new tastes and textures then you know go for it but um they are not typically going they're not they're probably not going to make you live much longer than your, your, your standard fruits and vegetables so um i think it's really easy to label foods as a superfood when fruits, vegetables, grains, these sorts of things in my mind are, are superfoods as well. Yeah. Awesome. Now, is there anything else you wanted to add? Yes, actually. Every time I listen to a podcast, someone asks that question and no one ever adds anything, but I'm going to add something. I just wanted to touch on the fact that 
the, an individual's metabolic rate can be very different. So there's a lot of genetic variability between someone's metabolism. And I don't want to necessarily paint the picture of everyone gets the same amount of calories to burn each day. And if someone is losing weight and someone else isn't, it's because of some, the person who's losing weight is working harder. You know, it's, it's absolutely not that simple. Um, even down to, like I talked about before, that metabolic adaptation. So someone's body adjusting to account for those calories. Some people's body adjust, bodies adjust way more efficiently than other people's bodies. And in, if we're trying to lose weight, that's actually a negative because it means that their body is accounting for that more. So there's a huge amount of genetic variability in what your, I guess, your base pay is. <laughs> and then a huge amount of genetic variability in how your body can adapt to a change in pay. So okay. hopefully that, I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. So when people say, oh, I have a really fast metabolism, I'm lucky, um, that kind of thing. So some people will have that kind of very efficient metabolism compared to somebody else. Yes. Yeah. It's typically a number of things. It's typically that combined with, Maybe they don't sit on their butt all day like I do doing consults. You know, they're, they're probably naturally a little bit more active. Um, all of those sorts of things, um, you know, maybe they accidentally, I've almost everyone I've met who has a fast metabolism accidentally skips meals. Um, <laughs> not saying they should do that, <laughs> but I just, again, you know, they, they can sometimes um, subconsciously, you know, uh, overestimate their calorie intake. Um, but yes, definitely. There are people out there with faster and slower metabolisms. So, but I guess it's similar to, I, it's somewhat similar to your height in that you can waste time being mad about it. Um, or we can, you know, kind of accept the hand you've been dealt and try and change the things you can. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you very much uh, for coming and talking to us today about metabolism and I'm sure there will be plenty of other nutritional questions and issues and um, ideas that we get along the way and I would love to be able to have you on the podcast again um, as those crop up and and we can chat about that so thank you so much absolutely my pleasure thanks for having me thanks for listening to the fit fab and 40 something podcast as always, I'd love it if you could take a screenshot from whichever platform you're listening on and share it on your social media. And don't forget to tag FitFab and 40 Something Podcast on Instagram. Until next time, see you later.